We're in a series, mute your cell phones, open your Bibles. We're in a series called The Five Gifts of Jesus, not to be confused with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about later in our year. Five Gifts of Jesus come from Ephesians 4, 8 through 13. It says, when Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts to his people. His gifts that were so funny and were good at golf and handsome, his gifts were to the church. He himself gave some apostles and some to be prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers to fully equip the saints. Everybody say, I'm a saint. For the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ the church until we all become a mature believer. So listen real close. Um, When you're exegeting scriptures, one of the things you do is see who it's talking to. It is talking to members of churches. And so no matter how mature you think somebody is or how much they know the Bible or how spiritual they talk, they are an immature believer who is unable to build up the body of Christ and they are not being equipped as a saint for the work of the ministry unless they are part of a local church serving under one of these fivefold ministry gifts. Do you see how I can say that based on this scripture here? Everybody understand that? And so as a saint, I do the work of the ministry, but as a pastor, I equip others to do the work of the ministry. You understand that as well? We have a lot of people in our family church here where they are, they are part of the fivefold ministry gift. It's what theologians call this passage, the fivefold ministry gift. And um, unless the church recognizes that gift, I would not really follow or listen to the person. We have people that come into church here all the time. They're visiting for the first time, and they immediately walk up to me and hand me a card that says they're a prophet. They're a self-proclaimed prophet. So I smile and say we are a non-profit organization is what we are. So, but unless the church recognizes the gift, and we recognize uh, Bernie as a teacher and the gift of teaching. We recognize uh, Bruna and Nabil as evangelists. We recognize Kelly Victoria as a teacher, and she minors in the gift of prophetic. And uh, we recognize that. We have people that do this full-time. Uh, Derek is a teacher over Faith First Academy. Trisha is a shepherd or pastor that administrates the whole church. Pastors Matt and Melissa, who are also have an evangelistic gift. We recognize that. Pray for people who you know that are functioning in one of these five-fold ministry gifts. And here's why. Uh, Satan attacks us ten times more than he attacks you. I promise you. I promise you. Whatever you battle in life, someone that is actually operating in one of these five gifts, they battle it ten times worse. If you battle depression, it's ten times. You know, in the Bible, Satan didn't go after people equally. The Bible says he has an army. It's an organized army of demons, like an army of locusts, the Bible says. And not everyone merits Satan himself attention. Uh, Peter merited uh, Satan himself. Jesus merited. Job merited Satan. Others, certain amount of demons got sent after certain types of people. On and on it goes. So I believe that the higher the calling, especially with these fivefold, that it's just demonic attack after demonic attack after demonic attack. So pray for these people. There's a story, uh, uh, they say it's a true story about the great Martin Luther from the Protestant Reformation where um, you know, he did a lot of good for the kingdom of God. And one night he's rolling around in bed and he hears something. And he sits up and he said that Lucifer himself was standing at the foot of his bed and Martin Luther said, oh, it's just you. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. That's not what I do. I, I'm scared. So y'all need to pray for, for me and the rest of us here. And I want to read you some of the prayers that some of the prophets in the Bible prayed to Jesus, prayed to God, okay? The prophet Job said in Job 3.11, I wish I had died in my mother's womb or died the moment I was born. Sounds like he really loved his job and really loved operating in, in his gift, right? Jeremiah the prophet said in 2014, curse the day I was born. Curse the one who told my dad, it's a boy. 
I'll keep going. Uh, uh, Moses, who was a prophet of the Old Testament, a major prophet. The Old Testament is basically major and minor prophets. And he was also a pastor over two million people. And here's, remember the scripture last week about let your um, spiritual leaders serve with joy and not grief because of you? Remember that scripture last week? I can bring it back up if you don't remember. Do you remember that scripture? So you need to ask yourself, am I joy to my pastor or am I grief to my pastor? Basically, Moses' church, Numbers eleven fourteen. God, these people are a burden. Just kill me now. Just kill me. Just take away my life now. I'm going to keep going until somebody laughs and think this is funny. 1 Kings 19.4, Elijah the prophet prayed to God that he might die. I have enough, Lord. Take my life. The prophet Jonah in Jonah 4.3 said, Lord, take away my life. It is better for me to die. Now, after reading that, how many of you wish that you were one of the fivefold ministry gifts? Would you like to have that kind of life? No, it is not easy, but it is well worth it, of course. So today in part two, I want to talk to you about this, the prophet. The prophet. Now, I'm going to show you in a few minutes, based on Scripture, that every believer in this room can prophesy. But the gift of the prophet is the one who functions in a way to equip others. Here's what the prophet does. Those with the gift of prophet does this. They equip us to hear God so we are encouraged to move forward. I was extremely, 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 extremely um, uh, detailed with exactly what I wanted this definition to say. Exactly what I wanted to say. The prophet equips us to hear God so we are encouraged to move forward. A true New Testament prophet does not talk about your past and your sin. A true New Testament prophet does not discourage you in any way. It is always encouraging always moves you forward and equips us to hear from God. Are you with me so far? So I have three points for you today, and point number one for your notes is this. Prophets encourage. They encourage. 1 Corinthians 14, 31, for you can all, everybody say all. Now this is you. It's talking about you. If you're saved, this scripture is talking about you. For you can all prophesy so that everyone may be encouraged. Let me ask you two yes or no questions. Here's the first one. Can you hear from God as a believer, yes or no? Yes. Can you speak, yes or no? Yes. Then you can prophesy. If you can hear from God and you can speak, you can prophesy. In fact, just look at the person next to you and say, I'm a prophet. Now look back at him and say, well, I already knew that because I'm a prophet too. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, here's what prophecy is. Encouraging others with a godly word. That's what prophecy is. The gift of the prophet equips but prophecy from any New Testament believer, which is you, I don't care what age you are, Samuel heard from God as a child, Jeremiah and Timothy heard from God as a teenager. If you can hear from God, you can prophesy. In other words, you can encourage others with a godly word. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, I appointed you as a prophet. But I said, God, I don't know how to speak, I'm too young. The Lord said, don't say I'm too young, only say whatever I tell you to speak. Now, if this room was filled with children, I could end the sermon right now, and they would understand it. Here's what a prophet does. He encourages people with a godly word. He says something encouraging. It comes from God. It encourages. It comes from God. You can prophesy, and all the kids could leave and go home. But us adults, we make things so difficult sometimes, so I have to spend the next 28 minutes explaining to you what I've already taught you in the first two minutes, okay? And here's why. When you prophesy, it is like squirting a water gun at somebody with a screen door in front of them. 
There's nothing wrong with the water supply. There's nothing wrong with the water. But once it leaves you, like you got the water, you heard from God, but once it leaves you and it hits that person, there's a screen in front of it, and some of the water gets on them and some of it washes away on the side. And here's why. There's a human element when it comes to prophesying, and that human element is your soul. And from the time you hear to the time you speak, it gets filtered through this nasty screen door that is called you or your flesh or your soul or your inner man. We can hear from God, but once we go to communicate what God's saying, that is coming from us. So we have to learn how to communicate the way God wants us to. I'm going to show you a Bible story that I'm going to come back to at my last point as well. It's about Joseph. In Genesis 37.3, and you know the story of Joseph, God gives him a dream that he's going to be in great position of authority. It says, when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than them, they hated their brother. So let's see what Joseph did next to try to win them over, okay? In verse 5, Joseph had a dream when he told his brothers they hated him even more. Verse 7, I had a dream that we were all in a field. When my sheaf stood up, yours formed a circle around mine and bowed down to it. Verse 8, so his brothers hated him even more because of his dreams. He's really learning how to win those brothers over, isn't he? And really, you know, pull the family together. Okay, here's my question. Did God give Joseph a dream that involved his brothers? Yes or no? Okay. Then why did they hate him? And why was he thrown into a pit and sold into slavery? Why did he go to jail for 13 years? Why did he go through hell and back? After God gave him this prophecy or this dream or this word for his future, did God mess it up? Yes or no? Did God give him the wrong dream? Did God give it to him at the wrong time? See, there was nothing wrong with the dream. There was something wrong with the interpretation and the communication. Everybody say there's two words, interpretation and communication. Okay, did God tell Joseph to tell his brothers about the dream? No. Just because God gives you a word for somebody doesn't mean you're supposed to share it with them. Just because God shows you something in somebody else's life doesn't mean you're supposed to tell them what you saw. What it means is you're supposed to pray and talk to the one that gave you the word and ask him, when do I say it and how do I say it? Because we can all hear from God. That's the easy part, to be honest with you. The hard part is communicating what God says. In fact, let me tell you from experience, it is very difficult and takes a lot of work to communicate what I hear God say. It takes a lot of work. The hearing is easy. The speaking is the tough part. Okay, here's the next question I have for you. Did Joseph have a dream about his brothers bowing down to him is that what the dream was, yes or no? No. The dream was not that his brothers were about. The dream was that his sheaf would stand up and his brother's sheaves would bow down to him. If Joseph had spent time with God, the dream giver, if he had spent time with the one who started the word, if he had spent time praying, asking God, what does it mean? What does it mean? What do I need to do? He would have realized the dream wasn't, I'm going to be in authority and you're going to bow down. The dream was, there's a famine coming and people are going to die and God's going to use our family and we're going to be united and we're going to be reconciled and our lives are going to be saved and we're all going to be prosperous together as a family through the famine. That's actually what the dream meant. But in his pride and arrogance, as soon as he heard from God, he thought it's time to go tell somebody. 
And so many times Christians do that to show how spiritual they are or how well they hear from God, especially when it comes to pointing out wrong things in people's lives or telling them what they need to fix or change or do differently. They're just trying to show off. In reality, that's God showing them something, so they'll pray for the person and pray about how to communicate it. Are we good? Y'all are looking at me like we're not good. Are we okay? Okay, I can just end the service like we did at first service if you want to. So I'll tell you about the first time that, um, that God gave me a word for somebody. And, and I don't function in the prophetic, but maybe three or four times in my life, okay? And I had just been saved for a short period of time, maybe a year or two, something like that. And I invited my two best friends to a church service that I knew was going to be very powerful, very impactful church service. And I'm playing the piano at the end, the altar call. You know, people are coming down for prayer. People are singing. And in the middle of the song, it was the old school song for Thou, O Lord. Remember, I exalt thee from the 80s. Anybody remember? Was any of y'all really saved in the 80s? Okay, I know the rest of y'all were doing in the 80s. But anyway, and so I was playing, and I, was, I wasn't even thinking about my friends. I was thinking about God, and just like that, it wasn't even words or verbal. It was like in a half a second, I knew this fact from God, and it dropped in my heart. And, the fact, and I just started bawling my eyes out. And God told me, if your two friends don't give their life to me, they're going to die. That was the word I got, right? I looked back at my friends. They were at the back of church. And they whispered something, and they walked down and left. I thought, well, i got to talk to them. So as soon as service was over, we didn't have cell phones or anything back then. We had CBs. Y'all remember CBs? And, and, and my friend's handle was like Forest Ranger or something, and the other one was Bassmaster, I think. I was 007. And I said, you know, yeah, about it, Bassmaster is 007. Y'all need to meet me. And so we met up, and I said, y'all won't believe what happened. God spoke to me about y'all. They were like, what? I said, God, I know it. It was from God. It had to do with y'all. It was from God. They said, what did he say? He said, y'all are going to die if you don't get saved. <laughs> my one friend said, well, how do I get saved? And I, I did my best to lead him through the sinner's prayer. It was about 1130 at night, maybe midnight. He said, well, don't I need a Bible? I said, yes, you do. So he went to my house, and I gave him my personal Bible. I just, I, you just take, He said, what do I read? I said, you read the whole thing. He said, when? I said, tonight. You need to read the whole thing tonight. You need to really know Jesus, you know. My other friend just laughed. And a few years later, I preached his funeral. Now, let me just, let me, let me reprise, okay? If I was a mature believer who had been equipped with the heart like I should have had, here's what I would have said. I would have said, God said something to me about y'all. He said that he loves you so much that he thinks about you every second of the day, even when you're asleep. And he loves you so much that he gave his son to die a gruesome death so that you could live an eternal life in heaven with him. If you'll believe that, you'll be saved. And which one's more encouraging? You're going to die or you're going to live? See, it's all about the communication. All about the communication. I told you that uh, Kelly Victoria, she's one of our facilitators here, she functions in the prophetic, and every six months or so, she'll send me a text, can I share something that God showed me? I'm like, bring it on, like, give me something. It's always good. I had a bunch of them I was going to show you, but one specific one I want to I show you is uh, back in 2019, it was a Monday morning about 10.34, 10.35 a.m., and the night before, God had spoken to me and said, I want you to meet with your elders and talk to them about expanding the church and preparing for growth. Now, I was incredibly scared about that meeting because any meeting, all it takes is one negative voice and the whole atmosphere just sucks out the faith. All it takes is one person to say, well, why are we expanding? We're not growing. 
we don't have the money in the bank. What do you, I, I, so I was just, I'm like, oh God, please. So I emailed the elders. I'd like to meet with you Wednesday. I didn't tell them what it was about. I'm just thinking, oh Lord, I'm nervous. I'm scared. That morning, Kelly Victoria sends me this text and I'll read it to you. It says, I saw an expansion at Solid Rock. I was walking and talking with you at your church. You were showing me the expansion of the building. There was an updated courtyard. Beyond that, I saw a huge expansion. For every one of your children, there was an avenue that branched off and had a purpose to its design. It created closeness in relationships, especially in family relationships, and created ways to spend time together. Many people came to be part of the work. Now, how would she know that, I, that God just spoke to me about having a meeting with the leaders of our church on expanding when the church wasn't even growing at the time other than God spoke to her and she spoke the encouraging word to me. Now here's what she didn't say. It's going to be very stressful. You'll have to raise several million dollars. It's going to be, listen, that's okay because that would have discouraged me. I didn't need to hear that. I needed to hear, here's what God's showing me, the good stuff. And so that Wednesday night, the meeting went amazing. Every elder, yep, we need to prepare. No one said, well, the church isn't growing. And thank God we did start preparing then. Little did we know the church was going to immediately grow the following year. Little did we know God was going to say start a school. Little did we know Pastor Matt and Melissa were going to bring 100 kids. We didn't know that, but God knew it. What would have happened if she had withheld the word? What would have happened? Would you be here today? Watch out for weird prophets, okay? Look for the encouraging ones. Deuteronomy 18.9, when you enter the land the Lord's giving you, let no one be found who interprets omens, who's a medium or a spiritist or who consults the dead. Watch out for spooky, weird people. It goes on to say in verse 15, as for you, the Lord God will raise up a capital P, that's Jesus, prophet like Moses from among you. Listen to capital H him. And Acts 3.22 is, um, is the birth of that scripture there. In other words, no matter who's speaking into your life, you can go to Jesus yourself and say, is this from you? You have the power to do that. Now, um, I told you there's some weirdos out there. I stole a book from my dad's library a few years ago. It was a book that was written in the 80s by this self-proclaimed prophet, and it was 88 reasons that Jesus is going to come back in 1988. It was a bestseller, too, by the way. Christians pulled this thing off the shelf. Well, Jesus didn't come back in 88. But that's okay, because the guy said, well, I wasn't hearing God right. He actually said 89 was when he was going to come back. So everybody bought that book, too. Guess what? Jesus didn't come back. He didn't write any more books after that, by the way. He didn't write any more. Acts 15.32 says, Now Judas and Silas, New Testament prophets, exhorted, strengthen the brethren with many words. Beware of Christians who weaken the brethren or tear people down. They are not speaking what God's told them to speak when they do that. Point number two for your notes is this. Prophecies don't discourage. Prophecies don't discouraged. 1 Corinthians 14, 3, but he that prophesies speaks God's message to people, speaks edification to promote spiritual growth and words of encouragement and consolation to comfort them. You know, I could read you dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures that say when you're speaking what God tells you to, it's going to be encouraging, and still there are some people that won't do it. Still there are some people that want to fight. Well, God showed me this. That doesn't mean you're supposed to communicate it. Until you can figure out how to say it in an encouraging, positive way, keep it to yourself. Now, the easiest way to explain encouraging, or the word encourage, is with this up here. Encourage is to put courage in. Discourage is to take courage out. Here's my question for everyone in this room. 
when your children leave your presence, do they have more courage or less courage? When you're leaving your little short group Bible study that you have, are the people that were in your group more courageous or less courageous? When you walk away from your lunch meeting, when you get off the phone with your friend, when you leave work every day, have you used your mouth as the tool that it is to put courage into people or did you use it like a weapon and take courage out of the people? That simply tells you if you've been doing what God's called you to do as a New Testament prophet or not. Now, I want to go into some theology stuff. I want to show you the line of authority in order to hear from God in the Old Testament. In other words, you couldn't hear, if you wanted to talk to God or have God speak to you, you couldn't do it in the Old Testament unless you found, number one, you had to find a prophet. That is the highest form of hearing God in the Old Testament. In fact, you don't notice the Old Testament was basically, it's the, the, it's the major and minor prophet. It's basically the person that God chose on earth during that time to speak through. Whether it was Moses, Joshua, Samuel, you see, like that. so you had to. Hey, hey, I want to. I want to hear what God wants me to do with my children. I, I want to know which school God wants me to put my kids in. I got to travel a long way and find Elijah. Elijah, what is God saying? Or you could go. Number two was the priests, or like a pastor is really what they were. Number three was the government kings, like King David. He could hear from God, but he also had to go to Nathan sometimes. Sometimes he couldn't. He had to find the prophet. Judges like, Sam, like um, Samson, a relational hierarchy, your boss, your parent, your elder teacher. Guess who's at the bottom of the totem pole in the Old Testament? You. You, you are at the bottom of the totem I'm telling you this so you'll be really excited when you find out what the line of authority is in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament before Jesus, because there was sin in the world and God's perfect. Jesus took away the sin, so now we, Hebrews 1.1, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, but now God speaks directly to us through his son. So here is the line of authority to hear God right now. Number one, you. Um, no matter what I preach to you or tell you, I am not the final authority in your life. You better not get to heaven and say, well, Pastor John told me I could drink and smoke and still get here. You know, don't do any of that. You don't let me. You go to God because you have a way directly through Jesus to hear from God. Do you understand? I'm going to show you a little bit. You're actually called to judge people that speak into your life. To judge the word. Second authority, if, you, if you're having trouble hearing from God in the New Testament, then you go to your spouse or your parental authority, which is just for a short period because once you're 18 years old and you move out, you are now brothers and sisters in Christ. You are no longer parent. There's no authority there. Unless you're over 18 and you live at home, then they're not your parent, but they're your landlord. And there's certain things as a landlord you can require, but you can't tell them who to date. But you can tell them who to bring, who you're allowed to bring home and not bring home. But you can't, you understand the difference there. Then number three, your governmental authority, landlord, coach, police officer, ecclesiastical authority, pastor, teacher, elders. Four is your biblical friends, and then at the very bottom in the New Testament is the prophet or any New Testament believer. So when someone comes to you and says, "God told me to tell you that you need to start saving your money," you better go to God and say, "God, was that from you?" Is that from you or is that just something some hokey person made up? God, God told me to tell you that you need to spank your kids more. Okay, God, is that, like, what are you telling me? Do you understand? Am I preaching to anybody in here? Are y'all just in awe of everything is what you are? Like, oh, or you're like, oh, get me out of here. Okay, so let me show you a Bible story, okay? Numbers 12, 1 through 9. Miriam was the worship leader. And Aaron was the assistant pastor. 
and they spoke against Moses, the senior authority pastor. They said, does God only speak through him? Doesn't God speak through the rest of us? Can he tell us what to do? Why is it that Moses thinks God only speaks to him? The Lord heard what they said, and God said, how dare you speak against Moses? And he kicked Miriam out of the church for seven days is what happened. Ex ex expelled her for seven days. Okay, here's the point. Yes, God speaks to everyone in this room. I can tell you how I would spend your money if I were you, because I'm good in that area, but only God can tell you for sure. And you have a line directly to him through Jesus. I can tell you how to raise your kids. I can tell you what the Bible says to do. But only you can hear from God specifically on your children because you're the authority of that. Do you understand? See, so when, when you start going to people and giving them a word, don't get mad if they don't do what you want to do because they learn how to hear from God. They don't need you. You don't need me to hear from God. Are you with me? Okay, now let me show you because I'm still, I, there's still a battle between a lot of Christians that want to prophesy correction into people's life. Okay, so let me teach you this. When you exegete scripture, the word exegesis is not with a J, it's with a G. Exegesis means to draw out. It's like a Bible college class you would have to draw out of the word. When you exegete scripture, there's three things you have to do every time. Number one, you have to make sure it's cohesive with the entire Bible. You have to, two, make sure it lines up with the character or the personality of God. In other words, you see people on the street that are in a pride, a gay pride fest, and you start you know, saying hateful things, but you're quoting the Bible. Just your attitude alone can show you're not saying what God wants you to say because it doesn't line up with his character, his personality. You understand? You have to learn how to say things in love. And then three, who is God speaking to, which is the secondary application? Who is God talking to in this passage? There's a lot of things in the Bible about bringing correction into people's life. And a lot of people with the gift of prophecy love to argue that. So let me show you some scriptures, okay? Let me show you one scripture on correction. Proverbs 27 to 5 says this, A truly good friend will correct you. Do you believe that we need people in our life who will correct us, yes or no? Yes, we need it. But it has to be cohesive with the whole Bible. This is not contradicting the Bible. Watch. 1 Corinthians 5, 11. Don't associate with a Christian who has a foul tongue, slandering, abusing, expelling from the church. Ephesians 4, 29. Only say what is beneficial for the spiritual progress of others at the right time. They may be a blessing to those who hear. So God corrects us, but he's not discouraging. He tells us we need to correct people at times, but the same person that wrote the same other book in the Bible, God wrote it all, says this. It better be a blessing for those that hear it. Here's the point. You have to work hard at bringing correction into the lives of people that are under you or who God's put in your path in a way where they enjoy it and it's a blessing and they feel encouraged when you do so. Do you see? And here's why it doesn't happen all the time is because of this. Lazy people are negative. Lazy prophets are negative. Lazy people, here's why they're lazy. They won't take the time to work hard and seek God on how to communicate something that could possibly hurt somebody's feelings or cause them to go backwards in God or discourage them. So you got to work hard when you get a word on how to communicate it in a way that still encourages them. I'll tell you a story, true story. So years ago, this is before I met Jim Riley. Okay, I'm not talking about Jim Riley's a prophet that we invite here to Solid Rock. I just texted him last week. He'll be coming in a month or so. Good guy. But there was another prophet that I knew years ago. 
it was about 10, 12 years ago, some people in church said, oh, we want, a, we want a prophet to come and have a prophetic service. I said, okay. So I called a pastor, a friend of mine from out of state. I said, do you know anybody? He said, I got a guy in my church that has the gift of the prophet. I'll send him your way. So he came. This guy comes, and uh, he preaches a little bit, and he, he keeps his microphone on, and he says, does anyone want a prophetic word? Come down front. So, you know, a bunch of people came down, including a good friend of mine, younger guy, maybe four or five years younger than me, good, wonderful, he's still a good friend of mine, doesn't come to church here anymore, but we're still good friends. He and his wife were there, and he came down front. And the prophet in front of everybody said that, and I'm, I kid you not, okay, I'm totally telling you the truth, no pastoral exaggeration here, okay, this is exactly what happened. He said, uh, the Lord says that you have anger issues because you're addicted to porn. I know, I about crap my pants, I did, I'm telling you. I was furious. I thought my face turned red. I thought I can't believe he just said that to my friend in front of everyone. How could? And I called that pastor. I said, "I can't, your guy did this," and he reprimanded him. And you know, he was so sorry, so apologetic. My friend was very humble, and I, I went up to him. I said, "I'm so sorry. We're never going to have that guy back. I can't believe he did that." And he said to me, "This said, John Paul. He says no big deal. He said I think everybody thought that he said I was addicted to corn." Because he said, I like popcorn, I like cream corn, I like corn on the cob. He said, maybe, I said, I'm sure that's what everybody heard as well, that you have an addiction to corn. Okay, let's say that God did reveal that to the prophet. Let's just say so. Number one, you never correct people in front of anybody else. That's called shame. I can't stand to see parents correct their children in front of other adults and other people because the child is not learning from that correction. All they're doing is saying, you're shaming me and embarrassing me, and this hurts. This is a, a different kind of pain. You never shame, never shame. Here's what the prophet could have done. The prophet could have said, hey, I want to share something with you after service. Then one-on-one -on -one say something like this. You know what? God told me that he wants to put a new vision in front of your eyes. He wants you to put things in front of your eyes every day that builds your faith that don't tear down your family, but build it up. God wants to do new and exciting things and cleanse and heal your soul if you'll begin to look at the right things. Isn't that much more encouraging than you're addicted to corn? <laughs> so what happens when God shows you sin in somebody's life? Here's what you do. Watch this. You encourage the person, but rebuke the spirit. If there's nothing else you get today, I hope you get this. You encourage, you're gracious with the person. But you go in your prayer closet and you pray against the spirit that's attacking them on your own, on your knees, away from them. You love the person, you encourage the person, and if someone you love is battling pride, selfishness, lust, anxiety, fear, whatever it is, you go in your prayer time or down the road, you drive over for a drive, walk on the beach, and you pray in Jesus' name against the spirit that's attacking them. And quote the word of God if you have to. But face to face, you always encourage always do you know how many Sundays I've basically come here and told you you suck you need Jesus and he's gonna change you but I don't say it like that you don't even realize how much correction I bring after you don't even realize it you know why because I cover it with humor I cover it with love and I make sure you understand I want you to go forward and not backwards always encourage point number three is this prophetic words must submit to the word it must submit to the word of God. 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. You are required to judge everything I say to you when you leave church here. 
You are to judge to see if it's from God or not. If it's not from God, let it go. If it is, receive it. And I don't get it right all the time. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-21. Don't reject the gifts of prophecy or prophecies, but test all things carefully so you can recognize what is good. If God speaks to you through a donkey, through a pastor, through the wind, through a friend, whatever it is, you're required to go to God and His Word to find out if it lines up with His character and His spoken word. So I told you about Joseph earlier, okay? I'm going to kind of go toward my closing with this. Psalms 105, 17. Joseph was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with shackles. His neck was put in iron. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested or refined him. Okay, let me show you something. The word, word, the word, there's two words of the, there's, the word word is in this scripture two times. Everybody see the word word twice. The first word word is debar, which is the spoken word or the dream or the prophetic word or the vision or whatever God's showing you, right? The second word word is the word imrah, which is the literal written word of the Bible, which will never, ever, ever change. It is the only thing on planet Earth that'll never change. It is the only, um, it is the only manual that was written by a spirit to spirits. It is the only thing on planet Earth that will never vary. It will always stay true all the time. So anything spoken to you, even if it's directly to your heart and your soul or your mind or your conscience, you have to judge it based on the Word of God. What the scripture says is, until the time that Joseph's prophetic word or dream came to pass, the literal word of God was testing him and preparing him. Um, if, you, if God speaks to you through a dream, a prophet, a donkey, I don't care if he speaks through your cat, which that'll never happen. But anyway, um, give me away. Um, if God speaks, so if God speaks to you and says that your, your, your business is going to grow financially, how many of you would love for God to just give you a word? Hey, this year your business is going to just grow financially times 10, right? Okay, that's a good word. But understand, the Bible says you have to be a tither if you want God's blessing in that area. So you have to obey the written word in order to receive the prophetic word, right? God told Joseph, you're going to be in a great authority. You're going to save your family, all these great things. But the Bible says if you're not faithful with little, he can't trust you with much. So Joseph had to learn how to be faithful with little first. You understand? God wants to do this in your relationships and bring you this person in your life. Da, da, da. Okay, the Bible says you have to forgive because if you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's like being attacked by demons on a daily basis. So you better learn how to have the forgiveness out of your heart. So when you meet this person, your soul's not filled with all this nastiness stuff that you lose them too. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to tell you today? Um, the Bible says in Psalms, uh, let's see, 119.105, your word is a lamp unto my face. It's not, a, it's not a, a floodlight. It's a lamp. In other words, I'm going to show you one step at a time, one step at a time. Uh, Deuteronomy 5.33, walk in the word so you'll be like Spock and live long and prosper. Psalms 18.30, the word, that was much more funnier than all of y'all allowed to do, but... Y'all are just really intense today. Psalms 18.30, the word of God is purpose and false. He shields all who take refuge in it. So here's what I want you to visualize. There's a constant hailstorm on planet Earth. 
But the Word of God is walking around with a, a steel umbrella. And it, no matter what, whatever dream you have, whatever desire, whatever God's telling you, if you'll stay under that steel umbrella, He will shield you and give you refuge and a lamp unto your feet, show you the direction to go to get you to the destination that He wants you to be at. But when you start getting out from underneath that umbrella because you want this bad and you think you have a better way to make it happen and all that, you're actually losing the protection and the refuge and you'll end up at a destination that was not what God originally planned. Do you see what I'm saying? 1 Corinthians 13.9 says, We know in part and we can only prophesy in part. In other words, prophecy is like a piece of a puzzle. When I meet with my elders, my goal is this. I want to hear what God is saying through them. Someone will give me one piece of a puzzle. Some will give me 20 pieces. Some will give me 50 pieces. But at the end of the day, I have to go to the one who knows where every piece fits into the complete puzzle. Because he ultimately is the one I have to respond to and answer to. So I say, God, what do I do with all these pieces? What do I do with this dream, this vision, this word? This, what do I do? And then God shows me how to put the puzzle together so that I can step into my divine destiny. Okay? I'll close with this and I'll let you go. Back in the 70s, in the early 70s, my mom was um, in her 20s. She was in her early 20s. And she went to a prophetic service where the prophet was uh, Bill Hammond. I'll put a picture of him up. I didn't even know he was still around. I, someone sent me this on Facebook. Um, she went to his prophetic service, and he stood her up, and he said, I have a word for you. He said, you're going to... He said, he said, you're going to have three children. The first will be a preacher, the second a teacher, and the third one a worshiper. That's all she got. Preacher, teacher, worshiper. Do you know how many thousands of times I heard that phrase growing up? From a little, little child until this very day in my 40s, I hear my mom say, Bill Hammond told me. God told him, preacher, teacher, worshiper. Preacher, teacher, worshiper. Preacher, teacher, worshiper. Do you know I was in jail one time and it came back to my mind, preacher? I thought, that's funny. That'll never happen. I had my first child at 16 years old. I remember hearing, preacher, that won't happen. My season of hating Christians, I mean hating Christians. I mean hating them. Hating them. I could not stand them. I thought Christians were two-faced. They didn't care about people. They were serving. All that time I kept hearing, preacher, I thought I'll never do that. If I have a church, I don't want any Christians in my church. That's for sure. <laughs> preacher, teacher, worshiper. Preacher, teacher, worshiper. <clears throat> I was thinking this past week, I never heard Bill Hammond. I don't know if he said that or not. He, God spoke to him. He spoke to my mom. My mom spoke to me. And do you know, it's so funny, Bill Hammond didn't tell her, oh yeah, by the way, if he's a preacher, he'll never be able to have any really close friendships because at some point, everybody's going to get offended at some point and leave. Oh yeah, everything he does, his life will be in a fishbowl. Every mistake he makes, people will find out the details. They'll blow it out and make it ten times worse than it is. There'll be so many times of loneliness where he feels like nobody understands. There'll be such fear 
the first few years that he'll throw up before walking on stage every single Sunday. He didn't say any of that. He just said, preacher. It's a good thing he didn't say that or I'd be selling real estate right now. <laughs> I am here because my authority spoke one word of prophecy over my life thousands of times. You have the authority from God to speak things into people's lives that'll set them on a course to become everything God's called them to be. How dare we use that power to discourage? You could ruin their destiny by your selfish, self-centered mouth. God has called us to prophesy, to build up, to bring comfort and consolation. How great of a calling is that? Is there anything higher we could do? You don't need money to do it. You don't need a lot of intelligence. You don't need to read the whole Bible. You have to hear from God and be willing to communicate something that moves people forward in Jesus. And this kid that went to jail, kid at 16, hated Christians, I'm your preacher. <laughs> All because of that prophetic word. So let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. We never like to close our service out without giving the Holy Spirit a chance to speak to everybody in the room. You might not have ever known until today that you could prophesy. You may have never known that your one word could take a felon and turn him into a pastor. You may have never known that that one vision you got could encourage expansion from two acres in an old building from 1956 to 28 acres, a full school gymnasium church, all because of one prophetic word from your mouth. So this is a prayer I'm calling people to repentance today who've been using their mouth as a lethal weapon and not a tool to build up. If you want words from the Lord for people, you have to be willing to spend time figuring out how to communicate the encouragement that God is trying to bring to their life. And if you're willing to do that, can you lift your hand right now so I can just pray over you? So Lord, I thank you right now for dropping visions, dreams, words, songs, poems, prayers into the heart of everyone in this room with their hand raised, God. Help us hear from you more clearly, but more than that, help us be willing to work hard and spend time with you to learn how to communicate it properly. Thank you, God, for increasing every gift of the prophet in this room. 
exponentially, Lord. Thank you for sending out words right now that'll bring healing to the lives of people around them, that'll encourage their faith to grow, that'll cause them to step out and do things they would have not been able to do had that word not come through our mouth. And I thank you, God, for helping us recognize the screen door of our soul is never perfect and it is never 100% pure. That's why we have to go to you and spend time with you. I thank you, God, for every prophet in this room. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen, amen.